Hello, and welcome to Socially Savvy, broadcasting live from Via Lago in downtown Kirkland. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, L.B. Duchess, and joining me today is Chapman McGrath with Via Lago and local author Jane Porter. So feel free to join the conversation by calling 323-843-6090. Today's show is brought to you by Chocolate Shop and Via Lago. We're going to be chatting with author Jane to hear about her new book, The Good Wife, we're going to be chatting about Headed for a Hangover, which is last month's Savvy Six column in Mode Magazine. We're going to be doing some socially acceptable as well as some savvy news. Starting off the show with savvy news, tonight is Seattle's epic game against the 49ers. Set the stage, hail and thunderstorms, along with everything else at stake Sunday night. The 12th man will attempt to turn Century Link Field into the noisiest stadium in the world. Already unofficially recognized as the loudest stadium in the NFL, CenturyLink will try to earn a spot in the Guinness Book of World Records when the Seahawks host the 49ers tonight. The current record is held in Istanbul, where a decimal sound level of 131.7 was recorded at a soccer match in 2011. Former Seahawk Joe Tofa and Carrie Carter are the marketing company in Kirkland called Jump It Media that have uh, decided that they were going to take on this big, huge attempt to do the world record-breaking, and they have been a part of a lot of different events building up to this. So we wish them the best of luck, and um, I'm looking forward to finding out if this uh, goes really well by itself. They have three attempts to be able to do it. The first one was very much organized in that um, they did a tailgate party. They have a lot of people who are a lot of hype and and are very aware of it, trying to focus on being the loudest tonight, then they're going to have two different organic attempts. And organic being that there's not going to be any staging, there's not going to be any manipulation um, of any sort, whether it be, you know, over-promoting. Is this going to be 100%? You know, we're recording and this is the, the level of the sound that the game produced that particular time. So... We wish you the best of luck, and we want to thank blogger, writer, um, Jim Moore for all the deets on this info from 710 AM. I am sitting here, like I was saying, with MK, and we are going to start our show off with one of our fantastic sponsors, Matthews Estates. We're um, starting off with their 2010 Claret, which is a beautiful red blend. Well, Miss MK, what do you think? I'm loving it. (laughs) I don't know that I've met many wines that I don't like. Well, and it's hard to find Matthews to have a wine that you can't just sit there and drink the whole bottle by yourself. Well, and I know because I first um, met Matthews sellers, gosh, it's got to be 10 or 15 years ago. Uh huh. And I actually, I bought, I remember I bought a couple bottles and I loved it. I loved them. <laughs> one of those things that you hold on and you're not sure if it's, you need to open it right away or if you need to wait. It is fantastic. They, um, I got a chance to try their 2009 last year, so I did a progressive tasting here a couple of weeks ago of their 2009, 2010. That's always a lot of fun, too. Come on, invite me next time. Oh, yes. <laughs> We're sitting here in Via Lago, and, of course, Chapman has tons and tons of little goodies here. She is hosting this book signing with Jane, and um, she always has all these fantastic little clothes. Now, you've been in here several times. If you want to give listeners an idea of what you see when you walk into this quaint, fun, little, cheap, hick place. Well, I'll tell you, I discovered Bialago many, many, many years ago and shopped here frequently. And I actually moved out of state for a while. And when I came back to the state, it was about five years ago, I walked in to Bialago. And lo and behold, Chapman 
recognizes me and says, MK, where have you been? So that's just um, kind of a lead into what you feel when you come in here. She is an, she's got an amazing sense of style, and she's, her energy just keeps you enthused. It's one of those people, it's like the Cheers bar where everybody yeah. knows your name. Most definitely, most definitely. I, I love that she has all kinds of different fashions. This boutique really focuses on things that you're not going to be able to find in the regular department stores. Her ability to put outfits together with, I mean, everything from, you know, just your basic clothes, tops and pants to the full accessories. She always has some, some very fun, eclectic, very unique, you know, scarves and hats and holidays. I love the holidays because she always has fun little gift ideas as well. Well, she does. And, and um, you know, something that comes to my mind is I'll put something on and then she immediately will throw something to it if it's a scarf or a pair of earrings that I wouldn't even have imagined. But again, going back to, she just has this incredible sense of style. Yeah, she does. And she's now carrying more and more jewelry. And the other thing that she has is she's added some footwear. And so you're trying to complete a look and it's a lot of times it's what do I want to put on my feet? And now she's got some darling little, um, what do you call it? Um, shoe booties. Oh, fun. I'll have to check them out. I haven't had a chance yeah. to. In the window, and hopefully Ooh. on my feet soon. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that she did have some shoes in here, so very fun. One of the other things that um, I love about her is like I was in here earlier trying, you know, some fun stuff on and looking at this and looking at that. And she's going to be brutally honest with you. She looks at me, she goes, You don't need that. <laughs> That's not your normal store owner thought process. So, you know, I like that when I'm coming in here, she knows me well enough to know. Now, don't buy something just to buy something. Let's make sure that we get you the right thing. You know, what it is that you're looking for? What kind of event are you looking for? You know, we're going to make sure that the match is perfect. Um, which leads right into Kirkland Fashion Nights Out. Kirkland Fashion Nights Out is coming up. It is their first Fashion Nights Out. It's going to be September 19th. Um, they are positioning a tent between Milagros and Hector's. Uh, all of the boutiques and salons are going to be participating in this runway show. The fashion walk starts at 5. The private one runway show is going to start at 7.30. They have um, hors d'oeuvres, refreshments, swag bags, which I happen to know a few things about. Um, they're even going to have a dog fashion show at the very end. I just think that it's going to be totally, totally great. fun. That's so, that's so Kirkland because yes. Kirkland... Even though it's very grassroots it's, but boutique, it is, and the whole the, the whole dog you walk through Kirkland and all you see oh, is the dog walkers everywhere. Dog walkers, it's great. Yeah. Well, this one is um, being brought to you by Kirkland Chamber of Commerce, 425 Magazine, Hector's, and Milagros working together. Um, Kirkland Reporter, and its featured MC is going to be Miss Washington USA, Cassandra um, Fearless. Proceeds are going to be benefiting Washington Scholarship Foundation as well, so they've got a good. Um, uh, good beneficiary behind them, which, you know, that's another thing that I like about the Kirkland community is everybody kind of gets in to support everybody else. Mm -hmm. You see a lot of these stores will put on different little benefits throughout the year. Um, they, they support their community as much as they are hoping that their community is going to support them. Yeah, and you know, something that Chapman does that, again, you know, hats off to Chapman. She, a friend of mine, um, her mother passed from uh, ALS, and a couple weeks ago, um, this friend of mine's daughter, who's 10 years old, Chapman had, you know, said, hey, go ahead. They had a um, lemonade stand. Outside. Oh, yeah. My friend's daughter's name is Addie. And yeah. so 
ALS Addie's Lemonade Stand, and Addie was out there, and she raised $450 in support of of ALS, and it was really, really, it was great, and then I I actually walked with them on Saturday, Um, I guess that would have been yesterday, we did the ALS walk Uh in Seward Park, so it was really, it was great, and um, it's in in memory of, of their mother, and Bina's Brigade is the name of the fund that, or what do I want to call it? It's, it's that's their um, chapter, if you will. Gotcha, gotcha. That is awesome. I love that. Yeah. Well, Kirkham Fashion Nights Out, like I said, is going to be Thursday, September 19th. Um, you can go to kirkhamfashionnightsout.brownpapertickets.com to get information and um, get a ticket if you happen to live in the area. There's going to be over 20 models, um, pro sports club, a champagne reception. Uh, raffle. There's going to be all kinds of fun stuff. So looking forward to that one. The other thing we're looking forward to here in the next probably 15 or 20 minutes is Jane Porter. She is going to be coming in. She is a local artist. She has been writing for quite some time. And the book that we get to learn about is called The Good Wife. And I have yet to be able to read it. I, I just read like, it. I read you it. did. I you did. did. I loved it. And it's so funny because I hadn't read the prior books because this is the third in a trilogy. Okay. And so I'm going backwards. I read this, and now I'm currently reading um, the good. What is it? This one. <laughs> I'm having a brain. So the third, the third book is the good, good wife. wife. So I'm reading okay. the good daughter. Okay. So tell us a little bit about the the books from what you've read. Just like what's the ambiance? What's the the setting? What I love about it, it's about family, and it's it. It's, talks about the, the, the Brennan sisters and they each have different lives and then they're very close with a very close family, their mother and um, I don't want to give stuff away. Start <laughs> 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 thinking <laughs> but they've all got different lives, um, some married, some not. Um, and it's just kinda you, you feel like you're right in there with the family as you're reading it and they you know, typical life up life's ups and downs and challenges and oh, the relationships awesome. with that you have with your children, with your nieces, your nephews, your it's just it's good fun read. Really it's great fun read. And this one in particular I'd read Flirting with Forty, um, back when I was flirting with forty. <laughs> Some of us are are are, are past I'm the beyond 40. that now. Yeah. We're a little little beyond that. I have a title for her next book, but I'm I'm gonna hold that in until she gets here. There you go. <laughs> it's my idea. But anyhow, um but it, it's just um Good read, and I'll tell you, because Flirting with Forty was made into a movie, I always think, oh, okay, who would be the characters? Who would play these characters um, in this trilogy if it were to, to be made into a movie? Oh, wow. Yeah, so I've got my imagination going. But I think that's something when you're reading the book, you, You'll you, start you to get a really good picture of Of the characters. Yeah, you do. Oh, wow. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing with us. I know I'm looking forward to meeting her. Um, she's here at Kirkland via Lago today. She's going to be signing books. So you can come, you can buy books, and um, have them signed by her. All right. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so a little sidestep here. The Pain Center of Bellevue, an integrated health clinic, provides medical doctors, pain management doctors, chiropractic, acupuncturist, massage therapy, and more using cutting-edge treatments. They can provide non-surgical solutions to pain management. Stop living with pain. Call and schedule a complimentary consultation with one of their top doctors today. Go to www.bellevuepaincenter.com. I'm having to work completely digitally today because I don't have my, my printout that has my format of what I do. So I feel like I'm, I'm 
on the cloud or in the cloud trying to figure out where everything is. And You're ahead of your time. I'm, oh, I'm a little, I feel like I'm, I'm lagging, you know, when you're looping and nothing is quite going where you want it to go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, that's definitely my life, real life. I'm looking forward to here. We're gonna. I'm probably gonna send you over. It's like five, almost five fifteen, and have you go get us an update for the game and see if they've said anything. Because I think it's kicked off at five o'clock. Well, Seahawks versus 49ers. I'll go bend around the corner and see what I can learn. That would be awesome. Okay, be right back. Cool. Well, she goes off and checks out what the Seahawks are doing. I am going to um, jump into headed for a hangover which is a column that I have the good fortune of doing for Mode Magazine. And the column's called Savvy Sips. And this week, this, or I should say this last month, uh, it was headed, headed for a hangover. Um, I used to think there was a time of year when we had a tendency to overindulge, but now it has become a pastime. With the introduction of so many amazing wines, spirits, and beers, what's a girl or guy to do? Well, here's a couple of quick tips to keep the hangover hung up and out of your head. First off, you want to realize your limits, understanding that if you don't drink much, it won't take much to put you under the table. So proceed with caution when having a good time at events if you're not an avid drinker or highly social, as the politically correct term would be. A good rule of thumb is to drink a glass of water for every glass of wine or spirits you ingest. Best remedy for a hangover is not to get one. Second option, or second best advice, less expensive beverages usually equal more intensive hangover. Quality is key, and refinement creates quality. If you're going to enjoy the flavor of less expensive wines, be prepared for a low-quality response. I always head these off with a glass of water before going to bed and a couple of Excedrin. Don't forget your banana for breakfast to help with replacing the potassium loss with dehydration and lost electrolytes a byproduct of drinking, and have a glass of water bedside for you if you happen to wake up in the middle of the night. Third advice, drinking without dinner is a key to failure and disaster. If you're going to attend an event and plan to drink, eat. That's about all there is to say about that. (laughs) Number four, it's easy when you're with friends to eat, drink, laugh, and be merry, and totally forget how much you've had to drink. Create a physical reminder of where you are at. Ladies wear bangles and transfer one to the other arm for every glass you are enjoying. Guys, try something silly like unbuttoning your shirt for every drink. After four, things look quite interesting and you'll find yourself very much aware of how much you're drinking. Number five, finally, remembering that if you overindulge, you can ruin even the most remarkable evenings and forget the most amazing things. So those are our uh, savvy little sips for Headed for a Hangover. And um, you can check us out at Savvy Sips in Mode Magazine online at modemagazine.com. That has been a lot of fun to pull off. And I'm hoping that we're going to be getting our author here shortly so that we can chat about her book. seems like with the weather being that it, what it is in Seattle, we got used to sunny weather um, a lot of fun, and this hail and rain that we're experiencing as the game gets started just seems to try to uh, mess us up a little bit here. So let me see who is coming on over. Oh, it looks like our author is here. <laughs> Your timing could not be any more perfect. We'll get you up and running here. We even get to start you off with a glass of wine. <laughs> Well, it is a pleasure to meet you. I've uh, been hearing about you for weeks. Yes. Oh. And um, uh, Chapman, 
had told me had contacted me a couple of months ago telling me that you were going to be in here doing a book signing and that I absolutely had to meet you because you were fantastic and you were writing these marvelous books. So tell our listeners a little bit about you and where you came from and kind of what prompted you to write. Well, I am wearing all of Chapman's clothes. Some of these <laughs> earrings are via Lago. My blouse is via Lago. And my jeans. Um, but um, I, I love these, you know, I'm a... I'm, native Californian that lived in this area for 17 years. So my kids were born here and raised here. And I went from being an unpublished writer, you know, kind of working mom who's staying at home with young kids to selling my first book. Oh, and that so is awesome. this is like really home. So when I think of, you know, doing a fun event, it had to be coming home. Yeah. So now you started writing how long ago? I, I wrote as a little girl. I, I wrote my first novel in second grade. Oh, wow. And so I've been writing my whole life. It only took me to getting to be 35 to be published. So I'm one of those overnight wonders. <laughs> overnight that took a lifetime. Yeah, it was 15 rejected books, and I really tried for 15 solid years. So wow. selling was a, was a big deal, but it, it ended up changing my life. Because learning to write a book and learning to give a book a happy ending for these characters taught me also how to give myself a happier life. It's all about choices. Wow. So writing is kind of a cool metaphor for life. Oh, that is awesome. So I want to find out more about the books and, and uh, what your uh, whole backdrop is on them. But you made a comment about um, writing your whole life in 15 attempts. Coming from uh, somebody who has been working on a book forever, I can't seem to ever pull all the pieces together, what advice would you give somebody who's thought about it, but you know, maybe they just don't feel like they have what it takes or, or they don't know who to contact, they don't know, you know, where, where would you tell somebody well, to start? I think, I think that the most amazing thing with today's world is everything we want is on the internet. That's I mean, true. I have to say, you know, those search engines, yeah. you know, up here I'm safe to say Google. Other people are like, oh, no, no, don't use a name. I'm like, oh, okay. But I've used like that in my book so many times, you know, they Googled it. And they're like, oh, sh sh well, what about, you know, another search engine? I'm like, isn't there only? <laughs> Is there another one? <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think if you want something, it does help to know what your market is. Are you, a, uh, you want to write kids' books? Do you want to write mystery? Do you want to write romance? So I think kind of having an idea of what you want to write Mm -hmm. And then looking at your market, you know, who's buying and who's reading. And then if you can find something similar to what you want to do, you, you look up like that house and that publishing house. And so I think this, for me, because I write commercial fiction, um, I have to know who, you know, my audience is. Right. And so for me, that was a big, that was a big starting point. Some people say, well, I don't know what I want to write. I just want to write. And then I'm like, um... That's kind of like fishing in a lake. You're not sure if there's any fish yeah, in. Well, that's exactly, thank you. I won't do that. I, I actually was German. I know. I, 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 I want to know. I want to know. There's fish there, and I want to know that I have a shot at getting a few of them. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes, because I'm. I, people say you're so driven, but no, I'm, I'm very goal oriented. I don't want to spend those hours and hours and hours that it takes to learn how to master story writing, and then have no one read it ever. You know, it's all about hopefully giving someone else a story. Uh -huh. So I do think um, having an idea of where you want to go and then directing yourself in that and then working on whatever, you know, identifying what you're good at. Some people, ought, you know, right away just good writers. It took me a long time. I even yeah. had my master's in writing and I didn't still sell. Wow. Um, but now what made it hard for me to sell, which was my voice, it was different, that has developed my readership because that's what my readers like about me. So I think it's, you know, just building, building, building practice and don't give up. Yeah. 
that's one of the things that we've talked about a lot is, you know, life is a race, and the only losers are the people. When they fall down, they stay down. It's okay to be a turtle. Yeah. You know, some people, I used to be like the tortoise and the hare, and I thought I had to sprint everywhere and sprint, but the truth is you can take it slow. You just got to yeah. keep heading towards the finish line. Well, and you have a tendency to make it there that way, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that our wind is like yeah, here. You know? When you do get there, you're like, oh, okay, I can relax. I'm finally here. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about the backdrop of these books. Um, I, I understand there's three in the trilogy. Um, so give us a little bit. Well, the, I used um, I really San Francisco as a setting because it's it's about this Irish American family, and the patriarch of the family is the San Francisco firefighter, and they've been the men in this family have been firefighters in San Francisco for five generations now. So they date back to old San Francisco and the great earthquake and fire, and oh, wow. it's a family that takes a lot of pride in it's you know it's. Like we're part of the city, we're part of the city's community. They love their church, they love their family. So it's a bit of a working class family. You know, the dad was a firefighter, the mom was a nurse, um, one of the daughters is another nurse, one of the daughters is a Catholic school teacher. But I love that. I wanted I wanted people who are good, solid people. Yeah. You know, who put in a long day of work maybe, and you you don't get necessarily a lot of like your company isn't going to go public. You're not going to get any IPOs. Right. You. Just work and take and, pride in what you do. Right, and then ha- make a happy life out of being happy about what you're doing. Right. And so I think I use San Francisco because I think San Francisco, again, like Seattle and a lot of other cities, had the immigrant populations that kind of came in, and they built cities. So I'm, I love that part of American history. Um, I'm not Catholic, and I'm not Irish. I'm German, <laughs> Protestant. But I have a tremendous affection for our history here in this country and those who've you know, very committed. You know, you can see that, like, when we had 9-11 and we just celebrated, yeah. you know, the anniversary, those in San Francisco, I mean, in New York, who were the firefighters and the first, you know, responders, responders we, you could see a lot of you know, the Polish, you know, the Italians. You know, right. And I, I love that. I think that that, for me, is very colorful. So within that, I had the family of kids, and the girls are all mid-30s to early 40s. They're not children anymore. They're trying to establish their own identity. Uh-huh. And sometimes you, then you butt up against the way your family perceives you and birth order, and you're not supposed oh, to be the yeah. one that does that. But once you're 35 or 38 or 40, you maybe don't want your family to define you anymore. Yeah, so. trying to. Well, and, and I have to wonder if. You know, we've had this midlife crisis, quote unquote, that we've talked about and grew up hearing about. Um, and usually it refers to, you know, you get halfway through your life, quote unquote, and you look back and you go, okay, I've done this, but I wanted to do this. Am I going to go this direction? Am I going to go that direction? Am I going to um, change my life totally? You know, am I happy with the partner I am? You know, all these things were that one point in your life where you start asking those questions. I have to wonder if it has a lot to do with, not so necessarily about the relationship you're in, but your whole life as an entity, an entirety, and how you interact with your family. Because I think you make a good point. You know, your family does do a lot to define you. And I I have a 21-year-old, 18 to 15, and my 21-year-old comes home, and it is amazing to me how much he has changed. And I find myself working very, very hard to overcorrect to make sure that I'm talking to him in today instead of how I did last year when he was home. Um, And I don't know that all of us slow down enough to really take a look at the people in our family and go, they've had a lot of life experiences. They change every single day. They aren't who they were yesterday. I I think our parents mean well when they would say, well, I know who you are. You knew. knew. And I think we're not necessarily that 16-year-old or that 17-year-old or 4-year-old that you'd like to think we were. Um, I I think 
I do a lot of writing probably simply because my mom and I had a very, that relationship. She keeps thinking of me as her shy, writerly, quiet girl. I wasn't the brainy one in the family. Uh-huh. But, you know, to her, because I come from this family where if you were, they were engineering oriented, math sciences, where you could kind of quantify how smart you are. And I was the, the writer. And I, you know, I was like this. But to her, that wasn't necessarily as smart as the person who could ace a math problem. Right. And the book smart versus yeah. a common sense smart or a life smart. Right. And so the fact that I've done what I've done and that I've started now this new publishing company, and I think it makes her like, well, 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 well. Like, pause. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes her like, well, how do you know or why should you be doing this? I go, why not? Yeah. And I always think, well, how could you not have more faith in me? I've always been, and I was never sweet. She used to think, you were my sweet one. I thought, you didn't even know me. I was so prickly underneath. I was like, I was not sweet. I was fierce. But I also thought she had her idea of me. Yeah. I didn't want to make her unhappy. Right. So then you try to live up to an idea that really isn't. No, I'm it's not It's like somebody else's sweet. skin. <laughs> no. Like, can I please not put this suit on today? <laughs> well, and I love that because I was the one who tried the hardest to make her happy, but I was the oldest daughter. So that was also my job as oh, yeah. a daughter. But yep. it doesn't mean I enjoyed being the pleasing one. I did it because there was a duty there. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's the fun thing is when you're writing about women who aren't 24, um, but they're like 34 or 44 or 54, you know, we're still trying to say, hey, I think what's awesome about women is we just get more evolved and stronger as we get older. Oh, yeah. And I would totally agree with that. And we grow into ourselves in such a cool way. And I, I love to I love to write about that and celebrate it in our books to say that's the right thing and you go, you know. That is awesome. So the the book trilogy that we're talking about, so I, from what I understand, it started out and it focuses, one book focuses on one aspect and then the next and the next. Tell us a little bit about how that progression works and what the list or the reader can look forward to. You know, a lot of it started, I felt like I kind of had to start with the oldest daughter and uh, she's the quintessential oldest pleaser, keeps mom and dad happy. She was the first one. And so for that, since she was the, always the overachiever, what else do you do with an overachiever who never makes a mistake, but take a story where she makes a bad mistake. And so she has a double whammy of it shakes up her marriage and her immediate you know, family world. And then her whole family's in an uproar because she was Meg and you, you don't do that when you're Meg. Ah. And so I had that, and then the pressure and the, that she's felt like, how do I live up to this thing you've all made me when maybe I'm it's not... set up for failure. Yeah. So she feels very isolated and alone in a way with having been this other good girl. When she's like, you've made me into Sister Mary Margaret, which is one of her sister teases her, and ah. it's oh, so pious to be so virtuous, but she never want like you know, like you said, it wasn't necessarily a choice. Right, and then we have a, a, one of the middle sisters who's a Catholic school teacher, and uh, probably like a, you know, in her position, she was a peacemaker, so she's done a lot of things to keep from creating conflict. Yeah. And so, the second book is really Kit, and she ends up falling at 40 for a bad boy. And again, that really she's never made waves. She doesn't make waves, and the family's not happy. And um, so that was fun. Cause I love Jude. He's awesome. <laughs> and then in the third book, um, the one that just came out this last week, Sarah is the oldest. She's, I mean, the youngest. She's a family beauty. She's an, been an athlete. She went, you know, scholarships to college to play sports, volleyball, and she's married a professional baseball player. But she's gone from this very confident, strong baby of the family, who did a lot of things right simply because she was so, you know, athletically talented. Natural talent. Natural talent and yep. naturally pretty, but 
years of being a professional athlete's wife have kind of undermined her confidence. He had had an affair three years ago. They're supposed to be okay, but she cannot get it out of her head that every time he's on the road traveling, is, is he, he going to repeat again? Yeah. yeah. So she's, she's kind of going crazy a little bit in her head, and, and it's fun because, again, the family all has what they have to say. So I love that. Wow. Well, this is, I'm so totally excited. I've got a book, so I'm excited to have you sign it. Yay, I'd love to. <laughs> and um, read them and find out, you know, what the story. Now, this is your first trilogy that's been um, published. So do you have other books that we could find as well? I've read, this is my 43rd book. So oh, wow. I wrote um, a book called Flirting with 40 years back that was turned into a lifetime movie starring Heather Locklear. Yes. And then I wrote several that were set in Bellevue called Odd Mom Out and Mrs. Perfect. Oh, wow. And they were set right in um, Euro Point and Medina and Bellevue. And I still get a little heat that <laughs> I wrote about the Bellevue moms, um, which was very fun. It was, it was very, um, I think, anytime you have an affluent community, the concern sometimes of an affluent community, it's different from a community that if you go across town towards crossroads, yeah. they have very different needs. Yeah. And I grew up in a smaller, poor farming town. So for me, this wasn't necessarily a natural fit for me. Sometimes I felt um, my mom and dad were both teachers in California public schools where you have minorities, but you don't have any money. Yeah. And so I think it was an interesting, I, I don't, I hope I didn't make anyone too frustrated. Oh, I got to check it out because I just moved to Bellevue. Oh, well. And my youngest son is going to Bellevue High School. So it is a very, I mean, I've lived everywhere from Woodenville to Redmond to Cow Nation, as right. I call it, right. where passport to get out there and everything. Um, <laughs> and into Bellevue. And it is, it's been, it's been interesting living all these places. I grew up in the Seattle area, North Seattle, you know, middle Seattle and um, you're right. There are very different needs in each community, and it's going to be interesting to see what Bellevue. I'm going to have to go back and read your book now <laughs> and find out. So um, somebody who's listening, where could they go online to find you? Um, I Barnes & Noble does a great job. University Bookstore locally has me uh, all the online retailers. Uh-huh. You know, so I'm all over. You just pretty much Google janeporter.com or books. They pull up. I'm awesome. everywhere. Yeah. Do you have your own website? I do. JanePorter.com. JanePorter.com. Okay, you did say that. Yeah. Wow. But no, but I know, and I, I always, you know, I was going to say, oh, you can find me on Amazon. But no, unfortunately, Amazon was founded up here, so it's easier. But in other parts of the world, they're like, go to Amazon first because your local independent bookseller <laughs> wants to have a fighting chance. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay, who will I offend if I say this? But uh, I'm lucky to have tremendous support from most, most retailers. And the thing, I think, in today's publishing world, to know lots of the brick-and-mortar stores are carrying less stock simply because there are fewer stores, right. ask your store to order in or ask your local library. There's a special author you love. Libraries are really stepping up, too. Ask them to order in your favorite authors. And it's another way that everybody can enjoy a book. They can, can support just, you. And, and, be, yeah. and, and then they, there's no cost. Right. You can read a book, and other people at the library can read a great book, too. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming and telling us about you. I, like I said, I'm really looking forward to reading your books. and. I'm going to let you get back to everybody so you can have a little fun. Thanks so much. That was Jane Porter. A lot of fun. Pop chips, thanks to the magic of popping, they found a way to pop all the flavor in while keeping fake stuff and at least half the fat of regular flavored chips out. They then take the natural ingredients, add a little heat and pressure, and pop. It's a chip. You can find them at a grocery store near you or online at www.popchips.com. 
Well, I think with all of the fun going on in the background, we're probably going to wrap up today's show. I was hoping to give you an update on what was going on with the Seahawks and the 49ers game, but I think I'm going to have to go back and check that out myself. Um, we want to remind you with the show now national, we've started putting all our local events on our Facebook pages, so be sure to check them out for Socially Savvy events throughout the week at LB Duchess and Socially Savvy, as well as Socially Savvy Eastside Events and Entertainment. Today's show sponsors were Matthew's Estates, Seco Waters, Bellevue Nordstrom Cosmetics, uh, Via Lago, Jane Porter, and our Daniel Spreller. Ending the show now with this fantastic glass of Matthews. We want to remind you all to subscribe to the Socially Savvy Show to be entered into our drawings for prizes from our savvy sponsors. Also, don't forget to check us out on iTunes. Make all the social events that you attend better because you were there and have a socially savvy week, everybody. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.